to the Intuitive Insights podcast series. I'm Nina Lockwood, founder and director of Intuitive Interim and Executive Search. Throughout this series, I will be sharing engaging conversations with talented leaders from across the UK transport sector. I'm delighted to welcome Paul McGonagall-Wright to this episode of the Intuitive Insights podcast. Paul is the Treasury Manager for Trenitalia C2C and also DNI Forum member with the EDI Charter for Railway Industry Association and Women in Rail and part of the leadership team at Rail Unites for Inclusion. Paul is a passionate advocate for diversity and inclusion and shares some thoughts in relation to his, um, his day job and also is passion. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Paul McGonagall-White, a very, very warm welcome to the Intuitive Insights podcast. It is an absolute delight to welcome you to the virtual couch today. Thank you very much, Nina. It's an absolute pleasure to be invited onto it. I was uh, I was really taken aback by it, actually, so um, I'm, um, I'm just really pleased to be here. Oh, bless you. I think the, do you know what, the main criteria uh, when I meet people and, and invite them to take part in the podcast is that they have an interesting story to tell. And you and I obviously met at the uh, Railway Industry Association EDI Charter Pride event in September. And so I know with absolute confidence that you have an interesting story to share. Um, so before we get into that, let me introduce you properly. So, Paul, you're the Treasury Manager for Trenitalia C2C, a role which I didn't even know existed. So the word Treasury is getting banded about quite a lot at the moment. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. You're also a DNI Forum member for the EDI Charter with Railway Industry Association and Women in Rail and very recently became part of the leadership team for the Rail Unites for Inclusion as well, which um, I'm absolutely delighted to hear. I think there's some fantastic stuff going on with that particular organisation. Um, as I've just said, you and I met at the Pride event in September. Um, myself and my whole team were at that event, and we were all completely bowled over by um, your contribution to that by your speech and by the reaction and the response that you got from the people in the room so we will come on to that shortly but in in traditional okay. intuitive insights um format i'm going to start the conversation proper by asking you to share your career story with us um the audience are always really interested to know how people got into rail industry in the first place and and what their day-to-day -day role looks like. So I'm going to ask you to kind of wind back a little bit to the beginning of your career. What did you do? Why did you do it? And take us into the role of Treasury Manager at C2C and what a week in the life of that looks like. Okay. Um, God, this is a bit like uh, this is your life, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm not um, sure you were old enough yeah. to remember that, actually, the big red book. Oh, I do, book. I do. Let me open the big red book. Okay. Um, so, I mean, my my first job, first ever job was in Burger King in uh, in Lakeside. Um, uh, I didn't stay there very long. <laughs> wasn't for me. I didn't right. like that. <laughs> um, but I then uh, got a job in, uh, in Debenhams, and I remember... Um, I worked in the champion sport department there. And right. what, I, what I remember from that is 
the social socializing part of it I remember that no one wanted to be there you know it was like Saturday jobs people were after sort of college and things like that people were just tired but everyone still wanted to go out after on the Saturday night on the Friday night so that's what I remember from that it's like um building that sort of network of friends at, yeah. at work having people to go out with people people you can just have a laugh with at work when you really don't want to be there um so yeah I I, I kind of I remember that fondly always thinking about you know right where we're going to go tonight, what we're going to do yeah. after work um so my first proper job up in London was with Pearl and Dean the cinema advertising. Oh, wow, okay. You know, the ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. I do, that's exactly what came <laughs> in my head. That's the power of yeah. advertising, isn't it? Amazing. It is, yeah. Actually, it's called, the music is called The Asteroid. That's, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. There's a the pub quiz bit of knowledge for yeah, us. Yeah, factoid there for you. Yeah. Um, so I worked in the accounts payable department. There. It, was, it was actually kind of like a dual company. It's, it's uh, called a company called PrimeSight and Perlandine. Um, both sort of advertising company companies, but in different uh, sort of advertising in different ways. Um, so I loved cinema at the time. I just constantly I loved going, you know, seeing different films and that. So uh, I, as soon as I saw the advert for that, I went straight for it and right. uh, I got the job. Um, and I remember all the sales team were constantly they were going to Cannes, you know, Cannes Film Festival. They were going right. to all these fancy uh award shows yeah and then I was there just in putting invoices there's uh, (laughs) something wrong here there's a bit of a Cinderella complex going on there (laughs) I think yeah um yeah which I I I did really enjoy it there um but it's it's one of those things where you feel like you're constantly putting in more and then not getting anything for it um and I remember I was just constantly uh, here's more work, here's more work, here's more work, and, you know, never get any other pay for it. So I decided to, after about three and a half years, decided to look elsewhere. Um, and I started with uh, EA Gibson Shipbrokers. Um, so uh, shipbroking, a completely wow. different world. Yeah. Um, so I was there for 12 years. Um, I worked my way up to a financial accountant, and I was studying as well. Um and again it's just a completely different I feel like I've, I've worked in uh, different places that have all had such different environments and yeah. working with such different people and I think that's probably kind of helped me in a way like you meet so many different people mm. um so it helps you to to work with people because you can kind of understand different people and and their backgrounds and um I feel with, with brokers, I remember that they're a they're a strange being. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's I mean that, that that job is just all about entertaining. It's just all about taking your clients out. It's all about um, just you know earning as much money for the company as, as they can. You know, so I worked yeah. in the finance department when, and I was I dealt with a lot of their expenses, and so I constantly had to ring up the. The brokers and say uh, you've spent way too much money here you've gone to this restaurant and spent a stupid amount of money on on one dinner yeah. and um 
but it was other things as well. We, we had offices in uh, in Hong Kong, in Singapore, in the US, in uh, where else? Uh, Norway as well. Um, so again, it was working with lots of different people from yeah, different countries, and different cultures um, as well. There isn't there very yeah. different in terms of Singapore, yeah. USA, mm. and Norway, and and obviously then the UK in there as well. Yeah, and you find that with brokers as well, especially shipbroking, it's um, it tends to have its certain markets, um, and those people you'll find they're all going to be in London working for those sort of companies. So right. straight away you're you're meeting these different people uh, people for, and I felt like from a young age I was meeting these people from different cultures, as you say, different backgrounds. So already it has an imprint on on you and how you work and understanding that. Um, People come do come from different places. That people do have different work work ethics. They do, um, and I think culture really has a big diff, uh, a big big effect on yeah. on on work on companies yeah. and how they operate. So, um, but yeah, so I was there for twelve years. Um, I loved it. Uh, it was the, the people were great. I just right. I loved the people. Um, but I feel like I've got to a point where as I've been here for 12 years now, this is yeah, a long time. time. This, yeah. yeah, I needed a, a new challenge. And I also felt like I wasn't enjoying the management account side of, of finance. Right. I just got to the point where I'm doing all this studying for something I don't really enjoy. Ah, okay. um, so I felt like I wanted to go in a different direction. And funny enough, uh, you say about how did you get into you know into 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 rail or into transport I feel like it actually came to me I I didn't I did what I wasn't looking specifically for a role um and a uh, a recruiter came to me and said we've got this job at CTC it's for a treasury manager and I remember thinking what does a treasury manager do <laughs> exactly what I thought um, yeah. <laughs> I just thought well it's money I could deal with money I could do that yeah <laughs> um and it, it, it offered me a, it's going to sound strange, but it offered me a way out of something I didn't want to carry. Oh, we've lost this. I felt like I'd, I was studying different. Can okay. you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I just lost um, you, but then it caught up. Thanks, Paul. All right. Um, yeah, it gives me a, a sort of a different route in, in finance, something more I could explore. Um, yeah. So I, I went for the job, yeah, met, met great people there, um, and um, yeah, that was what five five and a half years ago now. Right. So, um, so treasury manager. Yes, do <laughs> it's, tell. It's actually <laughs> it's it's a very I feel like it's it's completely changed over five and a half years. Obviously, okay. with COVID, yeah. um, the the job is a completely different job. I feel now to what it used to be. Obviously, the the normal day to day stuff is still there, but the way I operate, you know, the, the actual role has really really changed. Mm. Um, we like you know most uh, so many other train operator companies part of a franchise, you know, and so we're owned by Trenitalia. So I was constantly. Um, I had to keep my cash flow up to date to know how much you know we were getting the, the loan from uh, the Italians to the yeah. uh, amount of money we could use to operate the 
the company. Mm. Um, so I had to know how much I had in my account all the time um, yeah. and be able to pay that loan back, work out how much interest would be on that loan and then make sure I had enough to cover that interest as well. Right. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm sure most com- uh, people appreciate in, in rail, there's always something that comes up that you didn't think about, that you didn't budget for. Yeah. Um, so straight away you have to then change your cash flow i can't now i can't now pay that loan that that amount of that loan back i have to you know go to the um to the treasury team at the um at fs um sorry um Ferrovi della stato which is uh, who owns trenitalia yeah um and explain that right now i'm going to, have to pay a different amount and i'm going to have to change the the, the interest yeah. you know so it's it's very much juggling lots of different accounts lots of different payments and knowing exactly how much you have to pay and, and when you're going to pay it yeah and obviously we've um again people appreciate like the there's so many contractual payments you've got to make for a rail company mm. um you know for the um for the, the the rolling stock for the um the maintenance of that for um you know, for the dft and there was just so much constant i remember when i first started i remember thinking oh my god yeah there is Huge. there is just so much yeah. to to do so much to pay i remember i remember speaking to my husband when i first uh, started that week and i was like i'm never gonna get this i'm never gonna yeah. I, I can't do this i can't it's just too much yeah um and i didn't have much of a handover as well it was right. i had to so before I left my old job, I had to kind of work out a few afternoons. I could leave early for my old job to go yes. to the new job right. just to get some... To get some kind of understanding. To, yeah. Yeah, a, and, a, a uh, handover. Yeah. So that was really tough. Um, I found it really difficult for the first, um, I'd say about six months. I mean, for, you know, I think for most people for a, a job it takes a while to really get into it doesn't it you know it takes it, a while absolutely. to um but I remember the first six months just constantly questioning myself thinking I can't do this I can't yeah. do this I think um, with any job Paul it does take a period of time but I do think in all honesty and I love the rail industry I would not want to work anywhere else other than in transport but I think the rail industry particularly is very complex. There are elements to it which are straightforward. If you look at it in kind of just, you know, black and white terms, well, there's a train, there's a track and there's people who need to do both and make sure that, you know, that the track's maintained and the trains are there to run. So it's actually in that sense quite straightforward. But when you lift the, when you lift the bonnet up and you start looking around, I think it's incredibly complex. It is, yeah. So, and the financial elements of that, you know, I it just blows my mind. The layers and layers in terms of the contractual obligations and who's paying who for what, and then who's paying it back again because they're all. Yeah. It, it just feels like it's all so closely interwoven as well. It really is, and. Um... It definitely took a while to get used to it. Um, But then I felt like, I mean, there's so much other elements to my job as well. It's just the, I'm the the main uh, relationship manager for all all the bank accounts, for all credit card companies, for any sort of payment related um, 
systems or uh, whatever we have I'm I'll be the main contact for that yeah uh, so I work with lots of all different departments re- around the company to make sure that things are running smoothly that things are being paid for things yeah have we got any mm. problems have we got um you know with um all the all the payment information goes through to Lennon everything goes through there everything has to be reconciled yeah. me and my team will do that um so yeah, it's it's a lot, and I also uh, lead the station accounts function as well. Um, so there's yeah, a lot it, of it, detailed yeah. work, isn't there? A lot yeah. of detailed work, a lot of complex work, and I guess a lot and of I, systems to make sure everything runs smoothly. Yeah. Lots of passwords to remember. <laughs> oh my god, that blows my mind. But the um, so is that obviously the role that you do? And and being the person with the with the money, if you like, with the holding on to the, the the wallet for C2C, all of that business critical stuff and really important. Um the area that how we met and and how your story inspired me was obviously at the um at the Pride event for uh, at RIA. And and I know that you are a passionate advocate for diversity and inclusion. And so one of the things that um, that really impressed me, Paul, when I saw you speak at the Pride event was your willingness to share your own personal story. So I guess um, I'd love you to kind of expand on that a bit more for us in terms of the work that you're doing in in relation to diversity and inclusion within the rail industry, because I know that's a huge passion for you. I know it's very personal for you. Tell us more about the work that you're doing and and, and why it's important. Sure. Um, so, I think after after COVID, um, as as people were sort of getting back to work, and um, there was, I remember uh, an email going round um, saying that we're going to create a, a, a diversity inclusion uh, committee at work, and I remember they kind of. Uh, give a description of what they wanted this group to do and it just felt like this something I completely resonated with it was something that I felt inspired by it was something that and I think as we touched on earlier you know I feel like I've worked with so many different people and appreciate that I understand the value of people Mm. and understand that that everyone has something to offer you know and and their differences and their upbringings their um unique sort of differences that that's what what helps in 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 business in companies and different that's bringing all those different people together and i feel like i saw that firsthand in in um in the in the broker with brokers and in uh, yeah gibson ship brokers it's um all these different cultures coming together this sort of fusion of um of, of different people um so I straight away I wanted to be part of that and we had to submit a uh like a, a statement why you wanted to join okay and I remember what did what really and straight away what comes to mind is you know I I, I am gay and I am married and me and my husband 
I, I like to hold his hand. I'm just that kind of person. I just, I'm very, I'm a very affectionate person. I'm very mm. quite touchy feeling, you know, I'm, I, yeah. li- I like that. I like physical contact. I like, so, and one thing that really gets to me as a gay man is that I don't always feel comfortable to do that in, in public. Mm. Um, and it's not because I don't want to do it. It's because I feel am I going to offend someone? Um, Is someone going to say something? Am I going to get a funny look because of that? So, and what I felt for that is that also there's there's so many other people feeling the same way, but about about a different thing. You know, is the the colour of my skin going to affect my my chances in this job you know is my disability going to I don't you know I'm not ever going to get an interview for this because all I see is a wheelchair and um you know I think and I know how that makes me feel Mm. and I just want to be someone that is an advocate for that that you can stand up and say that just because I am a bit different just because I have um just because I'm different to you doesn't mean I I can't offer the, exactly the same thing or even more yeah. um so you know I put that pretty much sort of that those sort of words into my statement and I got uh, accepted into the group and we it, it's just about making sure that everything we do within C2C is rooted through um equal opportunity yeah I think it, it's looking at areas in say recruitment or looking at how we celebrate our people um always making sure that everyone is visible mm. that everyone has a uh, a chance to say how they feel about something everyone has a voice um and it's we've we've, we've done you know quite a few things that a lot of a lot of the stuff I do uh, for the DNI group is I like to be quite visible on the internet. I like to to write articles. I like to have interviews with our uh, our staff. Um, mm. Is there a, if is there particular calendar events coming up? I want to then go and find out find someone that's affected by that and mm. why are you affected by this and what does it mean to you and can you can you express what this particular day or this month or this, why is it important to you? Um, I remember I did um, for LGBT History Month, which wasn't long after I started in the group. And I did so much for that because I was so passionate about it. So I remember I did an interview uh, with one, with someone from our customer relations department about, um, she was by uh, she is bisexual and she wanted to explore that you know she wanted sorry she didn't want to explore that. I wanted to explore that yes. you know what yeah. you know tell tell me more about it how does it make you feel and the positives and the negatives of it not just the problem with it with, with this sometimes we have this um it's like we want to uh, put a, a um positive spin on everything that everything's fantastic look at us you know we're waving the flag yeah. But it's actually so important to highlight the the negatives and the mm. bad things that come with this. Um, and I remember she was saying how there's a, a certain stigma with um, with bisexuality because people don't necessarily understand it or yeah. they don't, you know, it doesn't exist. You're either one or the other, you know. Yeah. So it's. Um, but then I remember we did a a thing for um, Ramadan 
and it was something I I didn't I didn't know enough about. Yeah. So we, I spoke to one of our um, colleagues who was Muslim at the time. Sorry, he still is Muslim. He's just not with us anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wanted to, you know, tell me about Ramadan. What does your family do at Ramadan? Yeah. Why is these? Why is this festival? Why is it important? What does it? And it's not only just about for the for the religion as a whole but mm. you specifically what does it mean to you how does it make you feel and why do you celebrate it why how can I educate the rest of C2C yeah. what can you tell me about yeah. it that will help people to to understand so we do a lot of that we do um lots of interviews lots of um we're trying to do sort of more video interviews as well so people are a bit more visible mm. um we recently did uh, the trainbow um yeah so imagine director rob mullen asked us to to do uh, to do a trainbow which was uh, a fantastic opportunity yeah it was a great it was something for, for me for my career that um really helped me really it, i've always been I've always been uh, very open with who I am, but it was one of the first times I could really lead with that, that yeah. I'm doing this because this is what celebrates who I am. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I feel like I could go on for, for, for ages, there's, but there's, yeah, there's so much stuff that we've done. Um, there's loads that's going on, which is is absolutely just brilliant to hear. There's a couple of words that I want to pick up on, Paul, in relation to what you've just said. And one of them is visibility. And and I think from that perspective, you know, you standing up at that event, sharing your own personal story in a very visible way. Trainbow um, is another thing, you know, that is, you know, you can get more visible, could you? It's a bloody big train with a rainbow on it. It's, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's right there. This is what we're celebrating. So I think visibility in whatever format, but people being prepared to kind of share their stories and and be visible for who they are and not just the job title that they've got, but the actual person that they are and feeling that there is that safety, there is a safe space to be able to do that. And, and we know that that the whole industry is not yet a safe space to do that. So there is almost a feeling that we'll tread carefully, but but don't don't not do it. You know, yeah. Be, be able and to I, share your story. And I think that's it, it, it is. It's it's explaining to people that just because we're at work, just because we're um, colleagues, doesn't mean we can't go that step further and actually yeah. really get to know each other yeah. and. Um, I think when you actually understand someone's story, you can, it opens up opportunities, yeah. how you work with that person, how you see that person, how you interact. And then you see their, you see their life, you see who they are. And mm. um, I, you know, you know, my story, I, I was, I was married to a woman um, and because I felt that, that's where I should have gone with my life. That's where yeah. I felt like, and it wasn't. I, I it wasn't that my my family weren't accepting. They were. It's just. It's sometimes it's society. It's the way that my families yeah. were brought up before that. It's and it's kind of sometimes instilled in you that you have to live a certain way. Yeah. Um, and 
but then I did, you know, I came out when I was 27. I, uh, me and my ex-wife, we had a, a son together. So I've, I've now got a 13 year old son. Um, it's, but it was a very hard time, but it's made me who I am today. Yeah. And it is my story. Unfortunately, there is some really, there is some low points. There is some really bad negatives there. There is, but there's also such joy there as well. Yeah. Um, so in me telling my story, um, it not only gives people the courage to say, oh, I'm also gay or yeah. I'm also struggling with my sexuality. Um, I, you know, I've been there. I've been there when I felt like I couldn't be who I am. So I, I relate to that. So as soon as you say to someone, I've been through that, you're helping someone. Yeah. And even if even if it's just you're only help, helping a handful of people, but it really does make a difference. Yeah. And that's what I love about diversity and inclusion is that just just highlighting that someone, you know, their differences, someone's religion, someone's mm. past, someone's disability, so, you know, what they have to, uh, to face every day, what they live through every day, just putting a bit of a spotlight on that makes such an incredible yeah. difference and yeah. gives someone empowers someone makes mm. them feel seen makes them feel valued yeah so um i think it, it's so important and we have to keep doing it absolutely and i think that brings me to the other word so visibility was was this there's loads of words there's loads of, of stuff that's going <laughs> on in my head here visibility is key and and you are doing that and and lots of other people are are, are slowly but surely feeling that they can also um, kind of stand up and say, well, this is my story. This is my lived experience that I'd like to share with you so that you can better understand. So, you know, it, in my business and in my team, it, it's kind of very much as individuals, it's it's all of us have got personal values around this. And we have um, company values, if you like, that say, we we want to engage with with everybody. We want to understand where everybody's perspective is coming from, but you know we we've all got our own characteristics. So as a straight white middle aged woman, I'm going to say middle aged really, but you know that means I'm going to live to 106. But eight, you know, so crack on. Um, so from my perspective, I I can't understand how it feels to be a gay person because I'm not. Hmm. what your story did for me and I've got loads of friends who are gay um, and and you know people I love dearly in my life but when I heard your story and about the, the holding hands that really really struck a chord with me and I was walking down um, from um, King's Cross to Euston Station the day after I'd met you and was walking down really really busy and there was um two sets of two two women coming towards me who were holding hands and two men who were holding hands I was much more aware that I kind of I, I do a double take Paul because it's not something that still now that we're used to seeing I'm not doing that double take in a kind of like oh my god what are you doing mm. it's just a kind of automatic reaction but I was so much more aware that I was doing it after hearing the conversation you know this the speech that you did at the at the event and then kind of saying right okay so how do I follow that up because I've gone like that 
so what do I do now? And it's kind of like, well, I'm just, okay, I'm just smiling. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of feeling positive about that because how brilliant that those people feel comfortable to be able to do that. And society, therefore, must be changing. Um, so the, the other word is educate. It's that education. It's that feeling that as allies for, for lots of different underrepresented communities, what can we do to help what can we do to support? And I think for me, for me personally, there's such a lot around education and different things we can read, different events we can go to, different things we can get involved with, which help us understand and having better yeah. understanding helps then people who are in those underrepresented communities being able to feel safer. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's... Um... That's, I feel like that's the direction that um, DNI is going in. I think um, it's still a relatively new concept. I mean, I know it's been around for a while now, but when you look at uh, it, it, it is something that's really come to the forefront the last, I'd say, sort of five years or so. Mm. Um, and I feel like the first part is what to, to, to bring it to the to the forefront and to tell people about it. But now I feel like it's going in the direction of it's about educating and allyship. Yeah. It's about um, supporting these things, supporting that everyone is different and what can we do to educate ourselves and what can we do to be a better ally to that? Mm. Uh, I feel everyone is aware of these things now. People are aware that they're, we have to be much more mindful, especially at, at work in, in, in companies and the workplaces. We have to be more mindful of these, but now what's the next step? How do we carry on educating ourselves and yeah. how do we be better people? How do we be a better ally to everyone? Yeah. Um, so, and I, what I feel also is it, it's, it's it's being allied to everyone not you know even it not even if you don't have something that specifically makes you different still yeah. you can be an ally to someone and they can be an ally to you as well it's just yeah. appreciating that everyone is different everyone has something to offer yeah which i think leads us nicely into um this this part of the conversation part of the podcast where i i say to my guests if i could give you three wishes in terms of what of how we would do things differently or how the industry could move forward what would your three wishes be paul so i had to really think about this yeah. <laughs> um and i feel like i've come up with three things that are very different okay um so my first thing would be my first wish would be everyone to just slow down uh, okay um i think everyone I, I i wish that people could just stop in the moment just slow down appreciate what's happening appreciate what is being asked of them appreciate what is important in the task itself mm. um what actually really adds value what is what is something that's going to make a, a difference you know and i'm not i'm going sort of away from the dni perspective here but what i mean yeah. is just in your everyday work what yeah. what adds value what's going to help the company what's going to help the people around you yeah. um i think 
you know, and I think we, we were talking about this you know, earlier on, just saying that everyone's just so busy. It's yeah. just trying to get everything done. I wish that we could just slow down a little bit. We could push back a little bit, say that's not, that that deadline doesn't work. It's actually too tight for me. It's yeah. too, it's not going to, you know, I'm going to have to get my team to work so much harder than what they already are working to deliver that. Yeah. Um and I think obviously the post-COVID world, you know, everyone we're we're doing things differently now, and we're reporting to to DFT, and obviously with uh, them, um, you know, giving the money to the train companies to operate the companies. There is, yeah. we're all working in a different way. We're Absolutely. still actually adapting to that. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone just needs so much of each other. It's everyone, I need this now, I need this now, I need this now. Yeah. I just, my first wish, just slow down. Slow down. Just really, yeah. you know. I love it. Um, my second wish, I would say, is, this <laughs> is going to sound a bit silly, but um, it's purely from a finance finance department perspective. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, again, not from, uh, nothing to do with DNI. But it's just, one thing I find really frustrating is audits. Uh, in finance with a rail company because people come in the auditors come in and they know nothing about rail right so every (laughs) single every single year we have to go through all the same conversations again explaining everything all over again yeah my wish is that there would be a specific auditor that is purely centric to rail wow so consultancies listen up that's yeah. the, that sounds like something which the um the 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 big auditing tax com, um organizations need to take some notice of because it would make perfect sense to me yeah. absolutely yeah it's just i find it so frustrating that um this audit is taking so long because i have to explain everything i do yeah. ev- again and again and again every year every to year. a different auditor yeah that has no, no idea about rail so there's a gap in um, the market there, Paul, is yeah. what we're saying. Blimey, okay, brilliant. Yes. So that's my second wish. My third wish is, um, I feel like I'm going to sound like Miss World here, but just, it's, you know, world peace, it's not that. Um, it's just, <laughs> um, it is just where everyone accepts each other. Yeah. Everyone, and it's, I want everyone to appreciate that even if they don't have the opportunity to, I know that this person who I don't know can add a real value. They, they might not know, again, they might not know the industry, they might not know the specifics, they might not um, have the education, they might not have the requirements that are needed to do this particular job. Yeah. But I bet you if they came in, they would have an idea of how to actually improve something. And I think it's just accept that everyone uh, no matter where they come from no matter what their 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 circumstances yeah. are it can re- can really add value absolutely um, yeah so there's such a lot now isn't there which I'm, I'm kind of very aware of myself on my own kind of social media feeds and just just um, a phrase which I think is being used more and more be kind just be kind yeah. you know in a world where you can be anything be kind and and accept and appreciate each other which doesn't mean that we have to like everybody 
It doesn't have to mean that, you know, everybody gets an invite to your birthday party. It means that we just in our day to day lives, we appreciate that everyone is bringing some value, whatever that might be. Um, so I think I'd, I think those are a fantastic set of wishes and very, very different to each other, as you say, as yeah, well. Brilliant. Yeah. So my final question, Paul, um, is I, I kind of like to leave the audience with a shot of inspiration. And for some guests, that is um, a motivational quote, something which means something to them. Other people share a book that they've read that's inspired them or a podcast or, a, you know, whatever. Um, what would you like to leave us with? Um, again, I had to really think about this Uh there's there's a, there's, a, there's a few so I'll give you a couple of a, a couple of things but then I'll just kind of end with the main one right. um I was I remember a, a teacher telling me uh in my leavers book uh from school right. and she wrote uh tread softly for you tread on my dreams oh wow and it has yeah. never ever left me mm. it's never left me um it's just such a beautiful sentiment mm. and it's just about how we all you know we all have dreams we all you know and just just be careful with each other be careful you yeah. know let people have their dreams let people you know be inspired to be whoever they want to be um and I just I've always loved that it's always definitely had an effect on me yeah um my my mum's always been quite a big inspiration to me she is just someone that you know, beats her own drum. Um, so, is it? What's the saying? Goes. You know, she goes to the beat of her own drum. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, she's always, in, you know, encouraged me to be myself. Right. You know, just be yourself. Just, um, just you know, you have. She's, she's always said that I have a lot to offer. You know. So, yeah. and I've always listen to that yeah so she's um, always been a fan your biggest fan by the sound of it yeah, yeah. no she is she's yeah. she definitely is she's um and it's nice to see that it's nice to see that in someone's eyes when of you course can, it is. when you yeah. see, when you feel like you you know you are you are really loved in yeah. that way you know and yeah so but what i'm going to leave you with <laughs> i'm a huge uh rupaul's drag drag face oh, okay uh, right um, and most, um, pretty much every show, uh, RuPaul ends with, you know, if you can't love yourself, then who the hell are you going to love? Right. And that, it just means so much. It just, I think everyone should just be proud of who they are. Just yeah. love yourself. Yeah. So many people go through this, um, and I've been through it myself, where you, you just don't understand who you are. You just don't why do I feel different to other people? Why does yeah. it feel like this? Why am I not? Why does my brain sometimes not make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so, but it's just been accepting of who you are. Just love yourself. You are, you really are amazing. You are a great person. You're a fantastic, you offer so much to everyone. You, um, you can make a difference in this world. So just love yourself and just, show everyone who you are yeah brilliant I love that 
I absolutely love it. I'm having a rush of emotion. Um, the, the, <laughs> the tread softly because you tread on my dreams. Um, I actually had, um, there was a, a picture on my daughter's wall when she was um, probably about three or four that I had framed in her bedroom, which said exactly that. So when you use that, I had this rush of emotion because she's 19 now and she's off at University of Leeds and um, and the, the, that, that oh. particular picture isn't on the wall anymore, but um, still very, very relevant. And I absolutely love that quote. I don't watch RuPaul, but my co colleague Caroline does um, and she raves about it. So I think maybe I need to watch a bit more telly and be inspired. <laughs> Paul, I am absolutely so grateful to you for sharing your thoughts, sharing your experience, your career story, being with me on the Intuitive Insights podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what you do next and the massive value that I know that you'll continue to bring to the transport industry in terms of, of diversity and inclusion. I think you're a force to be reckoned with. And I think that the energy that you're bringing um, is significant. So I shall watch with interest. I'm delighted to be part of your network. And uh, thank you again so much for joining me on the podcast. Oh, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, I'm Thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell my story, to say how I feel about things. It's it's really powerful to 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 do that, to offer that to someone, to yeah. say, you know, welcome you onto here and and you know, tell us who you are and share your story. So, no, I, mean, I think what you're doing is amazing as well. And I've um, same to you. I'm just uh, I, I'm. It was a pleasure to meet you, and I'm 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 hope we work together in the future again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, right. Paul. My huge thanks to Paul. I will admit to a few emotional moments as we went through that conversation. Um, I think Paul is one to watch in terms of the future changes that we will see in the UK rail industry in terms of diversity and inclusion. And I wish him all the very best with that. I'm proud to know him. I hope you enjoyed the episode and uh, come and join us again, won't you?